Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I am an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Today's show is about a skeleton. But before you panic and start looking for your weapons right away, be calm. We are not talking about the undead version of a skeleton. We are actually talking about a design skeleton. So this is some form of blueprint for your game design. Um, if you are able to execute the process of creating a design skeleton from front to back, then you are very well on the way to creating a good game. I first saw this process model in an article by Mark Rosewater, the lead designer of Magic, and I have been using it uh, for all my designs ever since. Today I will show you how to create a design skeleton for your game in seven easy steps. Um, and as an example, I will use the creation of a Magic set um, for all the different steps. Okay, let's get right into it by defining what a design skeleton actually is. So... Um, what it definitely is not is an undead version of your game. We should all agree on that, right? Um, but what it is, it is um, a rough and preliminary plan of how your set of cards or other components will look like. It is um, some form of blueprint for your future work from um, a meta perspective. And the purpose of the design skeleton really is to identify what kind of cards you will need um, in your set without describing those, those cards already in detail. And in the end, really, the design skeleton is some kind of tool or process model that helps you um, to get a big picture of all the aspects that you want to put in your game or in your set of cards. Um, it helps you to figure out um, what the set is going to, to look like and what is going to need design-wise, um, let's say from a color or faction perspective um, and also on a card level perspective. But um, because the design skeleton yeah, spells out what is needed for each slot, um, it's very easy to just want to fill um, in um, all the card details. Um, but that's not what um, the design skeleton is for, at least not in the beginning. A design skeleton really is a tool um, that you can use as a designer to, um, to get a general sense of what the overall set is going to look like. For example, um, it makes clear that you need, I don't know, 50... Uh, cards uh, of type A, let's say 50 creatures, or that you need 20 spells or something like that. This is what goes into um, a design skeleton. So for the purpose of this podcast, we consider our design skeleton the blueprint for our um, set of cards. Okay, let's get to the first step. The first step is to um, do some preliminary work by thinking about some questions. Before we can actually create our design skeleton, we need to be clear about a few basic things that we want to achieve with our game. Um, the first one is we need to know how um, our cards differ. What I mean by that is, do you have uh, uh, different colors for your different cards? 
or do you have uh, different alliances or factions or um, do you have different card types this uh, kind of information is needed to create the uh, design skeleton so this is something that you need to be aware of before you start with your design skeleton you also should um, have a rough understanding of how many cards you need in total that you want to have in total for your design skeleton um, and then you should think about how many cards you need per distinguishing criterion so how many cards do you want per color how do you cut many cards do you want per alliance and stuff like that um, this does not mean that um, all of these questions have to be finally answered, but you have to have at least a rough idea of what um, the answers will be. Otherwise, it probably makes no sense to create a design skeleton at all at that point of time. In terms of timing, I would say you create a design skeleton after you have an idea of the scope of the game. That means after you have thought about the goal of the game, the required components, the constraints, and your gameplay loop. But before you start with the actual card design. I will come back to those questions and explain why you need them um, in step two. Step two um, is the definition of card slots. Um, in this second step, um, you have to uh, create or set up a spreadsheet um, and create one line per card slot. But what is a card slot, you may ask? Uh, that is actually something you need to create exactly now um, if you don't have it already. For existing games, um, people are using card names and titles to refer a card. That works because printed cards are constant. But during the design process and playtesting, cards can change rapidly. And um, I do not only mean that you change some simple values, uh, the power from 2 to 3 or something like that. Um, I talk about uh, dressed, more drastic changes um, in which uh, entire cards can be removed from the set or new cards can be added. Um, also, um, the theme and the title of your card could change completely. So um, the 3-3 three, three Berserk could become a... 2-1-12 at the end of the game, um, at the end of the design process. Um, and so it is uh, sometimes difficult to refer to the same um, thing during the design process if you um, only use the card's title as a distinguishing factor. Um, card slots are typically way more consistent than the name or the title of a card. But of course, uh, card slots can also change. But what exactly is a card slot? It, um, it all comes down to um, your distinguishing factors and the questions we already asked. Um, let's take magic as an example. Magic has quite a few design constraints and distinguishing factors. The two most important ones um, when it comes to creating um, a design skeleton are rarity and color. In Magic, a typical set has a fixed amount of uh, commons, uncommons, rares and mythics. Um, and since Magic sets are typically almost symmetrical when it comes to color distribution, that means that each color has a fixed amount of slots per rarity. In the actual Magic set, um, Theros Beyond Death, um, for example, you can find 108 commons. You have a 19 or 20 per color plus some um, 
colorless artifacts and lands. If you then add additional distinguishing factors like uh, card type, creatures, spells, um, uh, instant sorceries, uh, and stuff like that, you get very particular slots. For example, um, you need 10 to 12 creatures in the common slot per color. That means you already have these slots fixed. And then you probably want some instant tricks per color, some removal, some enchantments, and so on. At the end of these considerations, you end up with um, a list of card slots. But where do you start if you don't have um, these constraints um, like X amount of cards, perfection, and um, best practices like 10 creatures per color? Uh, I mean, magic has these uh, information based on uh, hundreds of uh, cards and sets that they produced. But um, when you uh, start making a new game, you typically don't have this information. What you have to do is um, do your research and look how other games um, are doing it. Make assumptions and, of course, use math to create uh, constraints and rules of thumb. You also have to consider probabilities. For example, how likely will a player see a card type X when he draws uh, Y cards? And then you think about, is this change enough or do I need more of that type X cards? So um, how many creatures do you want a player to, to draw by turn three or four? And then um, do the math to find out um, at what percentage you want, uh, you want him to achieve this goal. And once you have this kind of uh, rule of thumbs, uh, write them down and um, yeah, start working on your card slots. If you then, during the playtesting, uh, see that your uh, initial probabilities were wrong and your assumptions were wrong, you have to change them and you can update your um, design skeleton. What also belongs to this uh, second step of creating your card slots is to um, give each slot a unique identifier that belongs to it. Uh, Magic uses uh, the term card code for that and that's what I already mentioned that it's quite difficult to um, refer to a card title because it can change. So that is the reason why we create um, unique identifiers for our slots. Um, in Magic, um, they use some kind of alphanumeric value here. Um, the first letter determines the rarity. So you can it can start with C for common, U for uncommon, R for rare, or M for mythic rare. The second letter then represents the card frame, which is quite similar, but not exactly um, the color of the card. So you can have W for white, or U for blue, uh, B for black, or R for red, G for green and set for multicolor. Um, and they also have some additional stuff like uh, X for split cards, A for artifact and L for land. And then they have a two-digit number that represents um, a consecutive number per slot type. Let's say they have 20 green common slots. Those slots would get the codes C for common, G for green and then uh, CR1 to 20 for those 20 slots. Um, and then the same happens for all the other colors and all the other rarities. Magic R&D uh, uses those two-digit number slots also for um, other information. If they remove a card, for example, from, uh, from the set, but are not sure if it might not get back in sometime in the future, 
it gets assigned the number 99. Um, if they are working on a card but it is not yet assigned to a slot, it gets um, assigned the number 88. Um, there are more number codes they use to assign cards to team members uh, who are working on them, to add nodes um, and so on. But the main purpose really is uh, to retain a list of slots um, and then later assign cards to that slot. So, for example, let's say you have a, um, a green common slot and there's only one slot left because you have designed all the other 19 cards, but you are unsure which of the two cards would go into that slot that um, you, you still have designed. Um, then both of those, those cards could get the same um, ID for that slot and um, you would then decide during the design process which cards get into the set um, and which one not. Um, and you would probably do this with cards that are quite similar um, and mutually exclusive. That means that you only want to have one of those two cards um, in the set because they are very similar or they do not work together or stuff like that. Then you assign the same number um, for one card. I think you're already getting what we are trying to do. We are narrowing down um, the card slots from top to bottom. That means we start with um, very... Um, generic information like the rarity or the color and then we are start starting to narrowing it down to um, to other criteria distinguishing criteria um, that's also why i um, requested you to think about your distinguishing criteria before you start your design skeleton because we need it now um, to narrow down our um, uh, our design skeleton slots so um, that brings us to the third step um, in which you um, decide how many cards you need um, or slots you need for the most important card type in your game. Once you have uh, your rough slots, uh, you need to go into a little more detail now. First of all, think about which card types are most important for the robustness of your game. In case of magic, these are definitely creatures. In the case of my drafting game, these are heroes, just as an example. That means um, the first thing magic designers do when they uh, design a new set is to think about how many creatures they want in that set. The answer is often something around 50% um, in a regular set um, and the common slot. But in magic, this number is not equal for all the colors, for example. White and green tend to have more creatures than blue, black or red. The reason for this is the different play style of each color. That means when you have um, 100 slots available and think you need 50% creatures for your game to work best, um, you can distribute 50 creatures to the different colors. In our little example, that would mean we have 100 slots available, we want 50% creatures, and we have 5 colors. That means we have uh, roughly 10 creatures per color. But then you could argue that white is the color that typically has the most creatures. Um, and uh, blue is the color that has the least creatures. So you could take one uh, blue creature um, away and add it to white and so on for the other colors. At the end, the set uh, might end up with uh, seven blue creature slots, uh, but 12 white creature slots and so on. Once you have assigned your most important card type to the slots, you add a new column to your spreadsheet 
and put that type in. That means the first 10 or 12 white common slots would be assigned to type creature. But only the first seven blue slots would be assigned um, to that slot uh, to that uh, column creatures as well. If you also have factions in your game and the goal is that these factions have different play styles because they utilize different card types more or less, this is the perfect time to consider this in your design skeleton. As always, you can of course adjust this um, on the go later on. In the fourth step, um, we can already start to... Um, fill our design skeleton with some life um, and create some super, super rough card designs for our most important card type. Remember, at the current point in time, we only have um, card slots defined by um, color, rarity, um, and assigned some of uh, our most important card types to that color. So we know that we want to have, uh, let's say, 14 or 12, let's say 12 creatures um, in our green common slots. At that point of the skeleton, it can already make sense to create a super rough card design. Uh, by that I mean two things. Um, in magic it would be core values like power and toughness and basic evergreen keywords. I'm pretty sure that, um, for example, there will always be a blue um, card slot in magic that says uh, blue common creature 2-2 flying. This is something that can already be added to the um, design skeleton at this point um, of the design stage because you know that you want to have that and um, the set specific twists um, that will be added to that card can come later. Uh, for example by uh, adding set specific keywords um, or additional unique rules text to that card. If you don't create an expansions like the magic designers do, um, you probably don't have these evergreen keywords that you uh, use over and over again. But what you should do at this point um, in the design is to um, be not too specific, be rather generic. Um, it can be enough to just, just distinguish between this is a small creature, this is a medium creature, this is a large creature. Or by something like, uh, this um, is supposed to be a tank. This is supposed to be a damage dealer. This is supposed to be a healer. Um, and then you can uh, narrow it down to the specific uh, wording and effects and keywords later on in the design. Um, if you want to um, assign already keywords at that point, you should use only the ones that you are more or less... Um, sure about that they will make it to your game and that are rather simple and generic. Like, I don't know, let's say something like uh, Death Touch, which most of the strategy card games based on um, creatures um, have in their uh, keyword list. The goal really is to um, bring your color and faction identity to life in this step. Um, and you have to do it step by step. Um, and this can be done best uh, if you start with a rather generic idea of uh, how you want to fill this slot and become more and more specific later on. We, we first want to get an overview how the entire set works out with the, within our uh, constraints and restrictions we created in the beginning. Once you have a, a rough idea of your most important card type, um, 
you can then come to step five and add slots for all the other card types. Um, but think about your choices and you should also uh, create some kind of assumptions and rules again, especially for your uh, factions. Um, here are some examples um, from Magic. In Magic, m each color typically gets an aura, an enchantment that can be attached to, to a creature um, in a common slot. But global enchantments, for example, uh, typically cannot be found in the common slots. Um, then all colors typically gain at least one instant, but white and blue get more uh, than the rest. Then all colors get uh, sorceries, but black and green tend to have more than the rest. Then uh, artifacts will be added, um, and they tend to be more the utility cards in a normal set at least. And while you are filling the remaining card slots, you um, should consider what how your factions differ from, from each other and um, make the according choices um, where you want to um, have more um, of that card type and um, at which color you want or faction you want to have less of those. Um, and let's say you realize during that step uh, that you don't have enough slots for um, left for, for adding uh, instants um, in a certain color. But you want to have that surprise moment um, you could for example um, add the keyword flash to one of your creature that you already made up um, to to make it an instant trick uh, that is attached to a creature instead of needing another um, slot for for an instant this uh, also demonstrates that the design skeleton is flexible that means um, you are not locked into what you have um, already entered in the design skeleton, um, things will change. And uh, when something is not working, and most of the time you will not have enough uh, uh, slots for everything you want to, to, to fill in, you must uh, become creative and um, try to combine things and readjust your skeleton um, as you need it um, on the way. That means at the end of step five, you have a complete filled out skeleton. You have um, all the slots di uh, distributed between the uh, distinguishing criteria. In the case of magic, this is rarity, color, and then um, card type. But those criteria can be completely different for your game, of course. But um, you have a rough idea of uh, what kind of cards you want for each of your, let's say, factions. In uh, step six, you can start to go a bit deeper on your factions um, and how you want them to, to, to feel and how they want them to play out in your game. If we stick with our magic example, um, this would be the step in which you uh, really add the typical effects that each color is famous for. Let's say green gets a plus three plus three pump spell at instant speed. Blue gets a counter spell. Red gets some form of lightning bolt. Blue some form of destroy effect and so on. But this is not only one card. This is typically an entire set of abilities and card effects. Um, for example, let's go a bit deeper in white here. White gets uh, most of the time something with life gain. White gets typically some kind of enchantment removal 
um, in the common slot. White gets uh, some form of creature removal, often as an enchantment. Um, white typically has a combat trick at instant speed. Um, and um, often white has a spell that pumps the entire team. <laughs> If this sounds familiar to, um, to any of you magic players out there, yes, because it is. Um, it is a proven structure that is reused over and over again with little twists and a new flavor. And there's nothing wrong with it, um, as long as it does not mean um, the game feels repetitive for the players. Um, I'm absolutely fine with their proven concept. But if we design a new game, we unfortunately don't have this receipt for success. Nevertheless, you probably also have some kind of faction system um, that you want to build. And um, this is the right point in time where you um, add the different effects for each faction. Let's say you want um, your color purple to be the color that um, draws a lot of cards and has a lot of uh, different options. Then you should add a lot of these um, draw um, card draw abilities to your sheet right now. And then once you have your um, basic actions and um, effects for all of your factions added to the to the skeleton you can start with step seven by adding um, set specific effects um, for magic and mechanic that you are not sure about that you want to test um, in magic they really have uh, new keywords for 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 each and every set and they have probably a theme attached to that set and they want to um, feel every set to be different. This is what they do in the in this seventh step. They add, for example, um, they know that this, this set is about the keyword cycling. Then they add cycling to uh, to a lot of creatures and spells um, in this set. I would um, also add the stuff at this point of time to the skeleton at which which I am not hundred percent sure or not even fifty percent sure that it is um, going to work. So. All of the mechanics that I want to try during my design, tests and so on, I would add them right now to, um, to some of the cards. And once you are done with it, you probably have a very good uh, overview of how your um, set of cards will look like. Typically, the most common design issue is having too much ideas to fit in. So you can have too many card types, too many keywords, too many effects, um, and so on. Think about adding some of your desired effects um, on other card types. Um, if you don't have the space for another sorcery or instant speed uh, effect, how I mentioned before, add it uh, to one of your creatures as an enter the battlefield effect or uh, on death trigger. When you really work on your skeleton, you will be forced to think about things like how often do I want to use this keyword? Um, and when you count afterwards and see that this keyword is only used once or twice, get rid of it. You probably don't need it. Um, you will also think about things about in which color you want to use um, a specific keyword because it adds to your color identity um, and what kind of flavor you want to have in, uh, in your game. Um, and you can probably get a, a good overview of um, how the flavor is distributed between your uh, colors or, or alliances or factions. This is what I meant by the bird's eye view. Um, this is 
what you can really get from, from the design skeleton. If you are working on individual cards um, and have a spreadsheet where everything is filled in, um, it can become difficult to, to, to keep this big picture overview um, because you get lost in the details. That's why I often really go back to my design skeleton and see um, how my set of cards is coming together and what is missing. You should really treat this design skeleton as a starting point, but um, also as a living document that helps you to see um, this big picture. This overview will really help you to um, make better decisions when it comes to individual card design. Okay, and um, since we are coming to the end of uh, this show, just some uh, advice when you, when it comes to designing a design skeleton. If you have some form of uh, rarity in your uh, game, you should probably start with the most common um, rarity to uh, to create um, the slots for. Because there's one concept behind all of this. If you create one card or one slot in your sheet, uh, in your skeleton, this has an effect on all the remaining ones. Um, because if you give the first The first creature that you create in a color gains, um, let's say, the keyword flying. That has an effect on all the other cards because you can only um, make a certain amount of uh, flying creatures. Um, that means you probably cannot add it to all of the other colors or factions. That means you cannot add it to all the other creatures in the same color. So everything you create in your sheet has an effect on all the other cards. It creates more and more restrictions. So it will become more and more difficult to create the last cards for your set because the last card has a lot of restrictions uh, from all the cards that have been designed before. So make sure you start with the correct ones. Um, that should be the, the ones that um, your game is most reliant on. So in Magic, of course, you see most of the cards you see in regular play um, when it comes to drafting and stuff like that um, are commons. So you should make sure that the commons um, are designed first. Then you should um, try to think about what really is the focus of your game. If your game is, uh, the focus of your game is to uh, gain a certain amount of money, for example, you should focus on the cards that create money, maybe. Maybe you uh, have certain um, cycles in your game that um, are very similar for all the factions, but yet have a little little bit of, uh, of difference. In Magic, you have these cards, for example... Um, Let's let's take a, a two-mana instant that has cycling on it. If you want to create a cycling set, this could be something that you want to design. Um, so it can be cycled, but it has a typical effect for each color. So you, you want those cards to stand out for people to understand how the, the set works, and you should probably design them first. Another one in, from Magic that comes to my mind are um, the multicolor uncommon cards. Um, that really give the people a direction how a certain color combination works. When it comes to drafting, those cards are meant to give you an idea um, of the tactic that this color combination has. And um, they should point you into a direction when it comes to the um, to the next drafting picks. Though these are really, really important um, cards and you should probably design them first or very early before you have too many restrictions um, 
around them. If your game has a certain setting or theme that you want to deliver, it might be a good idea to start with, with those cards as well because they will be your uh, cards standing out to the, to the players um, and the cards that they will remember. So you should make sure that they are designed um, very well. And um, you can also think about what is the most restrictive at that point of time um, because not uh, all the cards that you are going to create will be... Um, will be equal uh, when it comes to complexity level. For example, in Magic, multicolored cards um, are more complex than uh, monocolored cards. And um, because you have to fit them into two different factions and they need to make sense in both factions. Um, so you probably should start by creating those multicolored cards before you start uh, creating the monocolor cards. Okay, that is pretty much everything I wanted to talk about when it comes to uh, design skeletons. For me, the design skeleton really, really helps to, to keep my ideas organized and to harmonize my faction design and my card design. So it is the perfect method or tool to come to a point where the game is getting more and more specific with each and every step. So... Once you have a, a, a core idea of your factions and your rules, card types and stuff like that, um, I would strongly propose to start with, um, with the design skeleton and try to get a bird's eye view perspective on how your distribution of cards will look like before you really uh, dive too deep into the design of the individual cards. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Um, Please let me know if you enjoyed this episode and um, if you want to reach out, you can uh, send me an email to marvin at nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on social media with the hashtags nerdlikeaboss. Um, and as usual, it would be super helpful if you leave a review on iTunes or one of the other platforms and um, don't forget to subscribe. Until next week, keep filling out that design skeleton slots and nerd like a boss.